Welcome back to the Getting Grit Podcast. I am Brad Pohl, your host, and this is where we tell the stories of sinners and saints. There is a very fine line that separates the geniuses from the crazies. I mean, you have to be a little off in the head to have the self-belief to pursue your passion, even when the whole world calls your discoveries totally bogus. Every genius was and is crazy in their own way, some more than others. But just because some call it crazy and weird, that doesn't always mean they're right. Charlie Chaplin was a fantastic artist and an entertainer par excellence. His silent films are still spoken about by cinema lovers around the world. But Charlie was a little weird. He hated children, and he used to throw custard pies at the women he was auditioning as part of the interview. Nikola Tesla was a genius who had a serious case of obsessive-compulsive disorder. He once asked Mark Twain to stand on his oscillating machine because Twain was complaining of constipation. Ninety seconds later, Twain ran for the bathroom, and Nikolai later said that he shook the poop out of Mark Twain. Michelangelo is the most well-known and arguably the greatest artist of all time. He would constantly go to bed with his clothes and boots on. His assistant said he would sometimes go so long without taking his boots off that his skin would come away with his boots, like snakeskin. Oof. Then there is this weirdness about friendships, like how far down the rabbit hole will you go for a friend? From a male's perspective, a friend is someone you could count on to haul your corpse back to Texas. To Texas, Call repeated. Yes, that's my favorite to you, said Augustus McCray to Woodrow Call in the legendary story of Lonesome Dove. It's the kind of job you was made for, Woodrow, that nobody else could do or even try. Yeah, most people would have paid the undertaker in Miles City, Montana, to bury Gus. A few would have hauled him someplace maybe a little warmer, like Ogallala, Nebraska. But no one other than Captain Woodrow Call would drag his dead friend all the way back to Texas. And no one but Gus would ask such a crazy thing. If you try to make sense of it, you can't. The only mode of transportation was a buckboard wagon. But the fact that Call honored Gus's request, well, that's the whole point. The weirdness of it all. Larry McMurtry writes in his novel, Before he reached Kansas, word had filtered ahead of him that a man was carrying a body home to Texas. And the plains were filled with herds, for it was full summer. Cowboys spread the word. Soldiers spread the word. Several times he met trappers coming east from the Rockies or buffalo hunters who were finding no buffalo. The Indians heard. Pawnee, Arapaho, and Ogallala Sioux. Sometimes he would ride past parties of braves. Their horses, fat on spring grass, had just come out to watch his journey. Some were curious enough to approach him, even to question him. Why did he not bury his companero? Was he a holy man whose spirit must have a special place? No, Call answered, not a holy man. But beyond that, he couldn't explain. No one can explain friendship, but you know it when you see it. It is, however, a common thing that when folks pass away, either themselves or someone else wants to send them on their way with something from this life. Humphrey Bogart was cremated along with a small gold whistle, bearing the inscription, If you want anything, just whistle, which he had given to his widow, Lauren Bacall, years earlier. Leonard Bernstein, the most famous conductor and composer, 
whose works included the musicals On the Town and West Side Story, was buried with a piece of amber, a lucky penny, a baton, a copy of Alice in Wonderland, and a pocket score of Gustav Mahler's Fifth Symphony. David Brenner, the legendary comedian, was asked to be buried with $100 in small bills just in case tipping is recommended where he was going. Bob Marley was buried with his Les Paul guitar, a Bible, and some marijuana. George Burns, vaudeville, radio, television, and movie comedian, saw as much or more of life than just about anyone. He lived to be a hundred. His cigars were a constant prop, and he went to his grave with three in his pocket. Frank Sinatra was buried with a bottle of Jack Daniels, a pack of Camel cigarettes, a Zippo lighter, and a dollar's worth of dimes. The dimes were reportedly in case he needed to use a payphone. Wild Bill Hickok was buried with his rifle. Ronnie Van Zant, the Leonard Skinner frontman, was buried with a black hat in his fishing pole. But we all know that we can't take it with us, all these perishable things, and the practice of doing such isn't really weird or crazy. They're just proclivities of mourning. The weirdness of Christianity comes down to our faith and accepting what C.S. Lewis writes. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. When David brought the Ark of the Covenant that held the true presence of God in it back to Jerusalem, he led the procession dancing half-naked through the street in a joyous celebration. Some may have thought he was weird, maybe even crazy. King Saul's daughter, Michal, certainly did, and she spoke out against his behavior. But we know that she was just jealous of her own needs and indifferent to the ark. What makes Christianity so weird is that we believe when God ascended from the world, he left us something, the real presence of himself in the Holy Eucharist. And we also send something with him in our repentance. We send our sins. St. Maximilian Kolbe states, If angels could be jealous of men, and of course they can't, they would be so for one reason, Holy Communion, God's true presence, his body and blood. Would you carry your friend all the way back to the place where God found you both in order to share the weird story of Christianity? Would you remind him that it's not a difficult thing to repent, but it is urgent before it's too late, and you can only bury him with the proclivities of mourning? Augustus McRae reminds us, I'm glad I've been wrong enough to keep in practice. You can't avoid it. You've got to learn to handle it. If you only come face to face with your own mistakes once or twice in your life, it's bound to be extra painful. I face mine every day. That way they ain't usually much worse than a dry shave. Ain't it so? This is Gittin' Grit signing off. Blessings to you all. Dominus Vobiscum.